Hello, Beat Check listeners. I'm Shane Dixon Cavanaugh, Portland City Hall reporter for the Oregonian Oregon Live, and your host this week. Joining me today is Ted Sickinger, a longtime investigative and watchdog reporter in our newsroom. He's graciously accepted my invitation to talk a bit about his recent deep dive into how Portland's big promise to crack down on unlicensed Airbnbs in the city went bust. Ted, thanks so much for your time and welcome to the show. Thanks, Shane. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Let's just start off and set the scene here a little bit. Talk to me uh, Talk to me some about why a place like Portland should be regulating or looking to regulate short-term rentals in the first place. Yeah, there's a variety of reasons. Um, one um, that has been expressed over and over again by city council members um, and, and others is safety. I mean, you, you just don't want people coming to town, <clears throat> excuse me, and staying in places that that aren't licensed for habitation. You, know, you want these rentals to have proper egress, entrance and exits in case of fire or some natural disaster. And you want them to be properly equipped with smoke and carbon monoxide detectors. Um, and again, these are requirements that, you know, commercial hotels and bed and breakfasts all have. And we don't want this, you know, big piece of the, the kind of vacation rental market to go without those same things. Um, you know, obviously we have an ongoing housing emergency and short-term rentals take properties off the market that otherwise might be available to local residents for long-term rentals. Um, some studies suggest that in areas with a concentration of short-term rentals, platforms like Airbnb have an effect similar to gentrification, you know, displacing lower income and vulnerable residents. And of course, there are livability issues. You know, there's noise, there's extra traffic, parking and trash. Um, vacationers can be pretty rowdy. And if you pack too many commercial vacation rentals into these, you know, residential districts that we so love in Portland, it changes their character um, and it impacts livability for long-term residents. So what exactly happened with the city and Airbnb in 2019? Uh, this, this appears to be sort of a, a, a critical point in time and serves basically as the basis for what got you interested in this investigation to begin with? Yeah. Um, so I don't want to make this a, a long wind up to this, but you know, it's important to understand some of the backdrop <clears throat> to how the, the changes came about in 2019. Um, when Airbnb first started up in Portland prior to 2014, <clears throat> you know, it really took off, but it was essentially completely unregulated, you know, and Portlanders quickly listed hundreds and eventually thousands of rentals on the platform. Um, and by 2014, there was a bunch of pressure on City Hall to, to change that. You know, neighborhood groups were concerned about livability and safety. Tenants advocates worried about the impact on housing supply. You know, the city was very interested in collecting the, uh, the lodging tax revenues that could come in off of these things. So, in 2014, the city council adopted rules requiring operators to obtain a permit, to undergo an inspection, to limit the numbers of rooms they rented, and to live in their rental properties at least nine months a year. 
Um, so that sounded like a, you know, pretty tough set of rules, but in reality, Airbnb and a bunch of the other platforms refused to share their bookings and host data. They denied any responsibility for policing and uh, unpermitted listings on their site. So the city had really no means of enforcing rules or ensuring that that host paid all the lodging taxes that they owed. Um, in 2018, um, the city auditor came out with a first of a series of audits looking at the the market and these platforms, and it determined that there were about 4,600 listings on Airbnb, and 80% of them were unlicensed. Um, they, they found enforcement of the rules was lax, that the city had no real idea what the effect of um, these were on the housing market. So finally in 2019, and this followed up a court case in Santa Monica over this issue of data sharing, um, Portland adopted a, a new ordinance um, giving the short-term rental platforms a choice. They could either um, agree not to collect bookings from hosts that weren't registered in the city's licensing database, um, or they could agree to share host data and transaction data with the city. And Airbnb chose the latter option, and it signed a memorandum of understanding this data sharing agreement um, with the city. And, you know, that was kind of a big deal at the time, and, and city officials, you know, sort of crowed about the fact that this was the toughest set of regulations in the country. Um, and what the the deal required was that Airbnb set up a registration system that allowed hosts to immediately list and operate their rental plat their rentals on the platform. Um, they'd forward that information, Airbnb would forward their information to the city, and the city then would email an application packet to the host. If the host didn't apply for a proper permit within 60 days, the city could then tell Airbnb to remove the listing. Um, in the in the interim, and again, this is one of the issues that's become a big deal, is that um, while the city was processing the permit, the host could operate their rental under a pending status. Um, you know, meanwhile, Airbnb was sharing transaction data, which you know presumably has allowed revenue to police the listings and make sure that it's it's getting its transient lodging taxes and fees um, coming in. So that that was kind of the you are still required to get a license, one of two kinds, a type A for two bedrooms or less or five guests or less or a type B, which is a larger rental. And that comes with a, a land use review that the city completes and that's a that's an involved process it's you know seventy seven hundred dollars to get one you have to put in a traffic study that's cost people four grand most people use a consultant and I was told by several hosts that this you know this process can cost people fifteen grand to um, to license this uh, to license a, a larger rental and so why was this data sharing agreement that the city reached with Airbnb so widely ballyhooed at the time well i think the the bureau of development services folks and revenue felt like if they had this data in hand they would be able to enforce you know the occupancy limits and the permits the fact that you had a permit at all and that you know again that that 
this sort of wild west scenario that we had, you know, they would have all that data in front of them and um, they could force people to license their listings and um, comply with some of the other requirements that they had put in place, like the residency requirement um, and the limits on the number of bedrooms that uh, you're allowed to, to, to rent. And I think, you know, at the time and city council, um, Again, everyone um, was very optimistic that this was going to, um, you know, operate very smoothly going forward. So fast forward four years, and would you say that with regard to short-term rentals in Portland, are we still in sort of a Wild West setting, so to speak? We are. I mean, the whole system is is a mess at this point. Um, among the things that we found in looking at this is that, you know, many Airbnbs are still unlicensed. Um, the company at this point has about, the uh, Airbnb has um, 3,700, 3,800 short-term rentals in Portland, you know, for less than 30 days, which are those subject to, to these regulations. Um, but there are only about 800 30 rental units with a current valid permit across all the platforms. Um, and that's, again, back in this short-term rental registry, which is important moving forward. Um, we found that the city has a, a massive backlog of nearly 1,700 pending applications and renewals across sort of all the short-term rental platforms. And if you go in, you can look at this and the Portland Maps data that some of our listeners may be familiar with. And if you, you know, get into the underlying data, most or many of these are years old, these, these pendings and renewals. And even the, the currently permitted one, they haven't been renewed um, and they, they, they aren't valid, but they're in that registry. And so regulators consider them in compliance um, and you can still list those properties um, without a completed application or a permit much less this sort of land use review that <clears throat> some of the other larger properties are supposed to go through we also found that um, the data sharing agreement itself is broken um, the city bds Bureau of Development Services, excuse my shorthand. For listeners, Bureau of Development Services is the uh, code enforcement agency with the city of Portland. They handle permitting and also regulations around nuisance properties and noise complaints and, and, and things of that nature. So Correct. Um, so anyway, the Bureau of Development Services hasn't been able to even access this data for 15 months. So they have no idea how many new hosts have registered listings with Airbnb, where those properties are. Um, they blame a software problem, but they haven't been able to sort of explain exactly what this is. There's kind of a technical API key that they're supposed to, that is broken. Um, so they haven't been able to access that. Um, they put in a request to fix it, um, back in May of 2022, but the, that wasn't prioritized and no fix has been forthcoming. Um, <clears throat> so they haven't been able to send out any new permit applications to operators of new listings since 
again, May of 2022. Um, the city also, as part of that data sharing agreement, abandoned um, safety inspections for a lot of short-term rentals. Um, and that was at the time in order to expedite the permitting process. And they adopted rules at the time that they were going to inspect 10% of newly permitted um, listings each year. Since 2019, they've, they've um, conducted 14 safety inspections. Um, the enforcement of the regulations is completely lax. Um, the BDS has never asked Airbnb to remove a single short-term rental listing. Um, they say that you know they are essentially giving folks a grace period because of the chaos within their own office. They're sorting these applications and the pendings and the renewals manually, and they don't want to penalize folks um, for the city's problems. Um, but they again, the, the they are authorized to to issue citations. And those have declined, you know, from about 750,000 um, between 2017 and 2019 to 20,000 since 2020. Um, and they say that that, you know, their enforcement is completely complaint-based um, and they don't have adequate staff to, to rigorously follow up. So it can take, you know, more than a year for the city to even begin to process one of these complaints that comes in. Um, and again, they're kind of holding that whole process in abeyance at the moment because they recognize that the registry is so fouled up. The findings in this investigation are vast. The, the, the apparent failures and shortcomings within the system are many. And when confronted with all of this, uh, you know, information approaching city officials about this, I, I mean, what explanation are they offering? Um, well, they they acknowledge they they have openly acknowledged they this month the uh, the city held a meeting with host to host, which is a Airbnb host group, and the audience um, there, the folks that I talked to, were quite upset that this process isn't working and the city pretty much acknowledged at the time that that we got it right that their enforcement of this data sharing agreement has been poor that uh, you know the registry is a mess at this point and they don't have enough staff to do the enforcement and I, this the city brings in a lot of money through these rentals every year you know it's a Probably this year will be close to $14 million um, in fees, but none of that money goes back to the Bureau for enforcement. I mean, the, the citation money does, but um, again, that's been very little of that has been happening. So so where does the $14 million go to? The, the city's general fund or, or where? There's a portion for Portland for the state of Oregon, for Travel Portland. Um, and so Portland's share, I think, is about 6%. There's another 5.5% for the county. But five of the 
of the revenues that come to the city of Portland, ironically, go into um, an affordable housing fund. Um, and Travel Portland gets quite a bit of its budget from Airbnb. So it, again, there is there's there are basic problems at BDS in enforcing this, but the city has kind of a financial incentive to continue allowing the system to operate the way it has. It's bringing in quite a bit of money, um, and uh, you know if they began to crack down and and you know took a thousand listings off of the off the platforms, that would impact this revenue stream, and that may be in part show why you know the the this has been so um, slow to change. Um, am I answering your question there, Shane? I think so. And is there any indication whatsoever that the problems here can be fixed in any sort of meaningful way? So while we were reporting this story and finalizing it, the city sent notice to Airbnb that they were going to terminate um, the data sharing agreement, that it was broken. It was not worth putting the resources into trying to fix this thing when they have another alternative that they say is working. Um, I would challenge that notion, but so they canceled the data sharing agreement. And that means that Airbnb has to head back to the same system as platforms like VRBO or, and what VRBO is supposed to be doing is checking um, that any property that it lists um, are in the short-term registry um, and have a valid permit. Um, VRBO isn't doing that. Um, there are a lot of properties out there that, uh, that that they don't list a permit number, and that's a requirement. The city's not enforcing that. Um, but they say, again, they're having a tough time doing that when the, the registry itself is such a mess. Again, it's full of outdated information. The city needs to clean it up right now. That's a very manual process, and they're going through paper applications, sending out notices uh, to property owners, and then if they don't respond, um, supposedly removing them from the registry. And they only have about 10 administrative staff who work on that. Apparently, they're, they're putting some overtime into this, but they only spend a fraction of their time processing applications. So um, how quickly this work, they couldn't give me any deadline on when they'd have this registry cleaned up. Um, they also plan to build an automated application portal. Um, and they've, they've committed to start that work in December and say that'll take about four to six months. But, you know, in theory, um, that should better allow them to track application statuses, update the registry, send out materials. So in theory, that could work, you know, um, but we'll have to see. Um, it's nowhere near being put in place and this massive backlog still stands. And they are still allowing the platforms to list properties without current permits. Um, and none of this changes um, what hosts are advertising on the site. Again, there are a lot of hosts that will get a type A permit for two bedrooms, five guests or less, and then list their whole house, you know, four bedrooms out on the site. Um, the city says that due to federal regulations, it can't police the platforms themselves. It can only police the hosts. Um, 
And none of this addresses whether, you know, folks are complying with the rule to live in their property nine months a year. It doesn't increase the enforcement resources that the Bureau has. You know, so um, the proof will be in the pudding and, uh, you know, it's still a long time coming. And I know that hosts are still, you know, very frustrated that this is the track that, or at least that the city is still allowing uh, people to operate outside its rules. And at this point in time, Ted, do we have a sense or an understanding of how short-term rentals in Portland are impacting the housing market overall? Like what data or studies or, or information do we have? Yeah. Um, so the city auditors, again, in these uh, the series of audits, 2018, 2019, I think 2021, had repeatedly recommended that the Portland Housing Bureau analyze that impact. Um, and the Bureau hasn't done that. Um, and they say they have been actually collecting some data on the number of short-term listings. They haven't done any analysis on that. And the Housing Bureau issues an annual report called the, the State of Housing, um, and they promise that some analysis will be forthcoming in the uh, version that comes out next year. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and you know, part of the issue here is that the city and Metro have taxpayers shouldering, you know, you know almost a billion dollars in bonds to fund new affordable housing production. Um, and at the same time, we've effectively been telling residents to feel free to turn their, their homes into short-term rentals, you know, unlicensed. Um, you know, one housing advocate told me that, you know, in effect, that means taxpayers are subsidizing Airbnb. Um, and they, again, think that housing in Portland should be first and foremost for people who live here. Um, and, you know, the exact effect is probably, it's difficult to tease out, you know, the, the vacation rentals are really only a small fraction of um, the houses, condos, and apartments that are occupied by renters. Um, you know, the census figures put that at 134,000. Um, Portland's, the state of housing, I think, put the figure, the long-term rental market at something like 73,000. So it's a small um, fraction of that. And Eco Northwest, which, Many folks may be familiar with economic consulting firm here um, in Portland. Um, prepared a report in 2016, and they determined that you know these rentals had a negligible impact on Portland's affordability crisis because you know those properties are generally higher priced than low-income and vulnerable folks could afford. Um, but there are also academic studies that suggest. Again, that the Airbnb effect is what it's called is is real, and there's one um, suggesting that it it counted for about one fifth of annual rental price hikes, and one seventh of increasing housing prices nationwide. I mean, it depends, I guess, sort of what neighborhood you live in. Again, this gentrification effect. This has been an issue for cities around the country. Airbnb has. Six million listings in a hundred thousand cities, and if you have a vibrant tourism economy, you know you go into neighborhoods in some places, and they are um, 
really dominated by you know short-term rental listings um and that you know has kind of this gentrification effect is what some studies have found and ted i think uh, i just have one final question to ask you today and i wanted to get a better sense of are there other cities in the u.s that are better at regulating these short-term rentals like Airbnb, enforcing violations? I mean, where are systems that actually appear to be working? Um, This has been a problematic issue globally, frankly. Um, And, you know, Airbnb has pushed back on regulations everywhere it operates. Um, but there are, you know, there are a variety of other cities that have um, much stricter regulations than, than Portland does. Some um, limit rentals in specific neighborhoods, um, the number of rentals in neighborhoods. Many have much tighter restrictions on uh, the number of days that you're allowed to rent your house per year. Um Although again, this is this is problematic for a lot of places. New York just implemented a licensing requirement. It had previously um, the rules there forced you to be in the house at all times when you were renting um, rooms out, and you could only rent two rooms um, to two guests. And again, you had to live there at the same time. But they didn't have any licensing um, requirement. They recently adopted that, and I think there's been a lot of concern that that will take, you know, thousands upon thousands of listings off the market there. Um, I don't know that there's a shining example, but again, this has been a problem on the coast and elsewhere. And there are other cities that have brought this, you know, under tighter control. Um, So the answer to that is yes. Well, Ted, thank you so much for your time today. I've I've enjoyed digging into your reporting a little bit more. And for listeners, I'll include links to Ted's most recent investigation along with other articles and points of interest. Thanks so much for your time. Hey, thank you, Shane. Thanks so much for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. If you like this show, give us a five-star rating and review an Apple Podcasts. It really helps people find the show. And tell a friend, help spread the word. The best way to support our journalism and stories like this one is with a subscription to the Oregonian Oregon Live. You can do that at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Until next time.